The Atlanta Braves drop another tough win in a day game on Wednesday, losing to the Philadelphia Phillies 3-1, to despite a great start from Charlie Morton. We'll talk about that, but we're going to go deep into the numbers on this bullpen. Are they really an elite bullpen, or are we overreacting to some of these blown saves? We'll go deep into the numbers there, and then I'll set you up for this huge series that the Braves have coming up this weekend against the New York Mets and what they have to do to get back in the NL East division race. All of that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So, let's Let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball and check out my bio there to see everywhere I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves so you can be part of the conversation, send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Hit that thumbs up button on this video. It helps out the show a ton. And that notification bell so you get notified whenever we post a new episode. As always, thank you for making Lockdown Braves your first listen every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Wednesday's game, Charlie Morton's great performance, also the bullpen blowing a lay in the offense, once again struggling in a day game, but going up against a, a very good pitcher. But we're mostly going to dive into the numbers on the bullpen on this game. Did a lot of research, uh, looking at inherited runners, blown saves. And so we're going to take a look at this bullpen, who statistically is one of the best in all of baseball, but they seem to continually blow close leads late. So we're going to dive deep into that. And then I want to set you up for the weekend series against the New York Mets, which obviously is the most important series of the year thus far. So we're going to talk about all of that on today's episode. But let's start with Wednesday's game. A 3-1 to loss to the Phillies. You know, a quick two-game series at home. You really would have liked to win this and cool down the Phillies a little bit, who have been hot lately and made some good moves at the deadline. We saw one of those in David Robertson, who came in and just slammed the door in the ninth inning. Tough game, another one that you give away late. Yeah, it was close. The offense didn't do much, but you turned it over to the bullpen with seven outs to get and weren't able to close it out. So again, it just we're going to talk about it more in the second segment, but it just feels like this is happening a lot where you're getting games into the seventh, eighth innings and uh, close games and just not being able to hold on to the leads. Another day game loss, you know, another day game, which the offense can't get going, but I want to start with the positive here. And that was Charlie Morton. And he was fantastic on Wednesday, six and two thirds innings, three hits, one walk. He did hit two batters, which he continues to do with that curveball, eight strikeouts, 101 pitches. And I talked about it last time out. I thought he was great through the first four innings in his last start. I thought he looked like vintage Charlie Morton. And then things just really unraveled for him in that fifth inning. I think in this start, we saw a continuation of what he was doing in those first four innings in his last start. And I think we're finally starting to get that vintage Charlie Morton that you can count on to go out and give you six, seven solid innings every time out. 
18 swings and misses, eight on the fastball and eight on the curveball, 19 called strikes, 10 of them on the fastball, very key, getting ahead with that fastball. He was working the edges with that fastball very well. 87.7 mile per hour average exit velocity against is very good. Just six hard hit balls given up in six and two thirds innings. Also fantastic there. And no extra base hits allowed. All the hits that he gave up, all three of them were singles. So again, just an absolutely fantastic start. And you now look, you know, over his last two months now, going back to June 11th, a 275 ERA, a 0.93 whip and 80 strikeouts in 62 and a third innings. Again, I think, you know, slowly but surely, we are starting to see that vintage Charlie Morton. And again, I think we oftentimes forget, this guy broke his leg in the World Series, still coming back from that to begin the year. But I think we are starting to get that, that vintage Charlie Morton, which is just fantastic down the stretch. And especially when you get into a postseason series, you can stack Freed and Morton at the top and feel really good about that. And then you got some options with Strider, who I mentioned yesterday, if there's no innings limit on him, I think you put him in your top three in a postseason rotation. And you got Kyle Wright there as well. So uh, Morton, again, over his last couple of months, he's gone at least six innings and seven of 10 starts. And he's gone at least five innings in all of them. And he's given up two earned or less in seven of his last 10 starts as well. Getting no run support. Uh, which is a problem. The Braves are just five and five in those starts and have lost four of his last six starts. So despite, despite his good numbers, Braves have not been winning. And again, part of that is the offense and the combination of scoring 13 runs on Tuesday, playing a day game on Wednesday, going against Zach Wheeler with Morton on the mound, who they just don't score for. That's a recipe for disaster. And I'm not making excuses for this offense. They got to find ways to get it done. But You knew it was going to be hard to score runs on Wednesday, and it certainly was. Their only run coming on a solo homer by Orlando Arcia. So uh, just not a a great performance from the offense, who had some chances in this game. Had a leadoff double by Riley in the second inning. Then you got a strikeout, ground out, fly out. That strikeout was bad by Eddie Rosario. You got to find a way to put the ball in play. Easier said than done against Zach Wheeler. Also some bad base running by Riley. Could have been first and second after Bohm uh, bobbled the ball at third. Riley tried to take third base and got cut down, so a bad base running mistake there. Eight and nine hitters, both single to start the third inning, but then Ronald Acuna Jr. grounds into a double play. It is just hard watching him right now. He's trying to swing his way through this slump and is just not working out for Ronald Acuna Jr. at the moment. And then Swanson strikes out to end that threat. The fourth inning to me was brutal. You had really worked Wheeler in that third inning, got his pitch count up, and then the three, four, and five hitters in the Braves lineup swing at all five pitches in the fourth inning and get go down one, two, three, and you let Wheeler get off the hook with a quick inning after he had to work the inning before. Again, same thing last time we saw in Charlie's start. You just have these innings where you know you let the pitcher get off the hook and in five pitches or less, and you go up there just swinging at everything. And I understand that's the Braves – strategy for a lot of these hitters is to be aggressive but have a little bit of a feel for how the game is going and be more cognizant of the starting pitcher you're going up against and the inning that he just had he had to throw a lot of pitches had to work hard and then you you give him the relief he's looking for by just coming up there and swinging at everything and he has a quick inning it just frustrates me to no end when the Braves offense does that had a one-out single by Swanson in the sixth but then he had a pop-up by Olsen 
Riley put a charge into one. This was a really good swing, the third hardest hit ball of the game, but it died at the warning track, 367 feet away to end the inning. New guy Robbie Grossman had a one-out double in the eighth inning after the bullpen had blown the lead in the top of the eighth inning. Acuna drew a walk. Good to see that. He's been doing that a little bit better lately. Then Dansby strikes out, and Olsen pops up on the first pitch, which was highly frustrating uh, to see that. Braves were 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. The Phillies didn't have a hit with runners in scoring position either. Uh, the Braves left five on base. You know, you worry about this team, especially in the postseason, going up against great pitching when they can't score without home run ball, and especially, you know, without the multiple home run uh, hit. So, again, it's something I've talked about all year with this offense. It's really my main concern, but it's the same concern I had last year, and they went on a World Series run. So, you know, if they're clicking like they were, on Tuesday, and if they're playing in night games, apparently, you feel much better about this offense's chances. But I want to dive into the bullpen. I told you at the top, really, you know, took a long look at the statistics and really diving into this bullpen because statistically, they're one of the best in baseball. But I continually hear you, you know, telling me on Twitter and everywhere that this bullpen isn't that good because we continue to see them blow late leads. So, again, going to dive into the numbers and see exactly what is going on with this bullpen. Are they as good as the numbers indicate? We'll talk about that next. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. BlueNile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, clarity, and setting style. BlueNile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring, making each ring one of a kind. If you're looking for jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. I have an anniversary coming up, so I'm going to have to hit up that uh, chat because I am not a jewelry expert and definitely need the help when picking out uh, diamond pieces. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free, find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. The Atlanta Braves bullpen. It statistically is one of the best in all of baseball, and yet they continue to blow close leads late. So what is the measure of a good bullpen? Um, do we just simply go by the numbers or do we talk about close late situations and how they do holding on to those leads and how do they compare to their biggest rival? Uh, that's what I really want to do here. I want to uh, go deep into blown saves, inherited runners, compare that with the Mets, who is the Braves' obviously biggest rival in the NL East, and see how the Braves stack up to see is this bullpen really one of the best in baseball because you look at the stats, they're first in the NL in 3.16 ERA. They're first with a 219 batting average against. They're second in strikeouts with 412. They're second in K per nine. They're second in strikeout to walk ratio. They have the third fewest walks, and they're third in walks per nine. So you look at all those numbers from the Braves bullpen, and it would tell you that they are a top three bullpen in the National League and one of the best bullpens in all of baseball. Yet, it just feels like, as a fan, we are continually seeing situations like Wednesday 
where a starter gives a lead to a bullpen in the seventh, eighth inning, and it disappears. You know, are we overreacting as fans, or are they actually just not a good bullpen and not able to hold on to these leads? So looking at fan graphs, the Braves have 20 blown saves, which is the third most in all of baseball. Certainly not a great number to look at. That can be a little bit deceiving, though, because good teams are going to have more save opportunities. The Braves are always going to have more blown saves than the Washington Nationals because the Braves are in a position to win a lot more games than the Washington Nationals. So just simply looking at blown saves is not a great indicator. However, 20 blown saves at this point in the season is a lot. The Rays currently... Lead the league with 23 blown saves, and you know most people would consider them to have a very good bullpen and a great pitching staff. In fact, the top five teams with the most blown saves are all teams with a 500 record or better. The Red Sox being the only team not above 500 in that group, as they are right at it. So, again, you know, blown saves isn't necessarily an indicator of a bad team or a bad bullpen, uh, good teams are going to have more save opportunities, which is going to ultimately lead to more blown saves. MLB has the Braves with 56 save opportunities this year, which is the most in baseball, but they have just 36 saves. So, you know, while they don't, while they don't list blown saves as a team stat, that correlates with the 20 blown saves that you see over on the Fangraph site. For comparison's sake, last year, the team with the most blown saves had 34. That was the Phillies and the Nationals. Those were bad teams. So, again, you look at where the Braves are with 20 blown saves, third most in baseball. Last year, the highest mark was 34. You look at last year, the Braves, they had 25 blown saves. Now, that Braves team you know, only went on to 88 games. You're hoping this version wins more than that. Last year, the Giants, Brewers, and Astros were all in the top 10 for most blown saves last year, all of them making the postseason, the Astros meeting the Braves in the postseason. I think many consider the Giants and Brewers to have two of the best pitching staffs and bullpens in all of baseball, but their offenses weren't great, so they were playing in a lot of close games, again, leading to more, more opportunities for blown saves. So, is the Braves bullpen really bad, or is it just the fact that they're playing a lot more close games than other teams, and they're in a position to win a lot of those close games, and the numbers and the odds just play out where they're going to have more of these situations? <laughs> I think that's a difficult question to really kind of answer um, and not to really straddle the fence here, but I think it's a little bit of both. I think the Braves do have a very good bullpen, but I just feel like they're in these situations a lot and the more you're in a certain situation, the more often, you know, something bad is going to happen. What I think may be the bigger issue here is inherited runners allowed to score by the bullpen. And, you know, I had to go through player by player on MLB to go through this, but the Braves have had 137 inherited runners by their bullpen this year. 51 of them had sco- have scored. That's 42% of the time a reliever is coming in with a runner on base that that runner is coming around to score. That feels unusually high to me. Um, Certainly not a great percentage. Now, granted, all those aren't 
your best relievers. Sean Newcomb had four inherited runners this year. All four of them scored. He's obviously no longer with the team. Um, you look at some of the top relievers for the Braves. A.J. Minter has allowed six of 15 to score. I think that number is probably a little higher than you would want for A.J. Minter. Kenley Jansen's inherited three of four. Now, he's generally coming in in a clean inning with nobody on base, but three of four, not great. Colin McHugh, he's allowed nine inherited runners, which is the most of any Braves reliever, but he's also inherited 29 runners this year, which is by far the most of any Braves reliever. So in hindsight, nine of 29 is not terrible, but you put Mentor, McHugh, and Lee, you know, three of your more high leverage relievers who are coming in in that seventh, eighth inning, and they've allowed 21 of 62 inherited runners. That's 34%. That's a lot better percentage than the 42% overall. So when you're looking at the better relievers for the Braves, they've actually done a much better job. You look at Rysel Iglesias, who's coming over, and he's most likely going to pitch in that seventh, eighth inning role. He's allowed eight of 14 inherited runners to score this year. That is not great. You may want to make sure you're you're putting him in with a clean inning. And I think that's part of this, too, is Brian Snicker trying to figure out, okay, who are the guys he can trust to come in with runners on base? Who are the guys that they need a clean inning? They need to come in with nobody on base. Who is more comfortable in that role? Because it's not easy to do, and I don't think it's the same for every pitcher when you're coming in in that situation with runners on base. You look at Tyler Matzik, who, look, he's not the Tyler Matzik of last year, the last two years. He's definitely not postseason Matzik. He's only allowed two of 11 inherited runners to score this season. So. I think he's somebody who you could bring in, you know, to get a lefty late in a game with a runner on base and feel pretty comfortable about him getting out of that jam. So I think that's part of it too, Brian Snicker, trying to figure out the best guys who can come in in those type of situations, feel comfortable and get it done. Look, you can argue with Brian Snicker in the way that he handled the bullpen in Wednesday's game. I understand bringing in Colin McHugh. He's been great lately. He, you had a bunch of varieties coming up. I get that. To me, AJ Minter's your eighth inning guy. He's the more dominant reliever. Uh, I know it really wouldn't have made sense to take out a lefty and Dylan Lee to bring in a lefty and AJ Minter with a bunch of varieties coming up. But I think Minter's more capable than anybody of getting out both lefty and righty relievers. But again, I understood the decision from Snicker. I'm not criticizing him for that in Wednesday's game. So by comparison, looking at the Mets, when you look at inherited runners, they have inherited 126 runners this year, and they've allowed 49 of them to score. That's 39%. You know, that's not too much lower than the Braves overall of 42%. And you look at their top three relievers, Edwin Diaz, Adam Adovino, Seth Lugo, they've allowed 18 of 50 inherited runners to score this year. That's 36%. That's actually more than Mentor McHugh and Lee combination at the back end of games. So, I mean, you compare that to the Mets, and it's really right on par with what your rivals are doing. Um, so, again, I don't think this Braves bullpen is bad. I think they're in a lot of games to win, and that is great. That's what you want from your team. But the more often you're in those situations, the more times it's going to lead to these outcomes. I think another thing is the Braves play a lot of close ball games. They have played 41 games this year decided by two runs or less. They're 25 and 16 in those games. That's a really good record in two run games. So 
again, I think more often than not, they're getting the job done. And I think we're overreacting to that small percentage where they don't, <clears throat> where they don't come through by comparison, the Mets have played 40 games decided by two runs or less, and they are 24 and 16 in those games. So again, the Braves right on par with the Mets and what they're doing. Now you look at games decided by three runs or less, and the Braves have played 68 of those compared to 58 by the Mets. So again, Braves are playing a lot of really close games this year, 68 games divided, divided decided by three runs or less. You know, that's over half the games they played so far. Um, again, the more times you're in those situations, the more times that you're going to have bad outcomes. It's just a way of the game. These guys can't be perfect every time out there. So again, I, I don't think this bullpen is bad at all. I, I think, I think they've lacked some dominant arms in the back end of games. You know, you've been using guys like McHugh, Chavez, Stevens, you know, and even Lee, uh, who's been great. And I still think he deserves to be in that, that group in the back end of games. But I think this bullpen is good. You look at bl blown saves, you know, McHugh, you know, he now leads the team with five blown saves. Kinley has four. Mentor and Will Smith each have three. You know, Lee has two. And then O'Day, Strider, and Stevens each have one. So it's kind of spread out. There's not really one guy that you can look at. They've all kind of had their bumps this year. But you look at A.J. Mentor. He's been in 50, uh, 47 games this year. He's allowed runs in nine of those. And he's allowed multiple runs in three of 47 games that he's pitched this year. That is a really good percentage. Those are really good odds that when A.J. Minter comes into the game, he's either going to put up a zero or he's only going to allow one run. You look at Kenley Jansen, 39 games this year. He's allowed uh, runs in 11 of those games, and he's allowed multiple runs in just two of those games. So again, a great percentage of the time. Kenley Jansen comes in, he's not going to allow a run, or if he does, it's only going to be one run. Rysel Iglesias, he's pitched in 39 games this year. He's allowed runs in nine of those. He's allowed multiple runs in four of those. So, again, when you look back on the totality for these pitchers, percentage-wise and odds-wise, when they come in, they get the job done. I think it's a little bit of both. I think the Braves obviously have had trouble holding on to these leads late. And as a fan, as a team, you know, you hope when your starter turns it over to the bullpen late in a one or two run game that that bullpen is going to be good enough to hold on to that lead. And more often than not, as we just showed, that is the case. The Braves are 25 and 16 in two run games. More often than not, they are getting the deal done. I just think they played so many close games, and it's so much more memorable for us as fans when they blow games like they did on Wednesday. It's easy to think that this bullpen isn't as good as they really are, but I do believe they are a good bullpen. I think they're just going to get better with Iglesias. I think for me, Iglesias makes it simple because when you get past the sixth inning, it's Iglesias, Mentor, Jansen. Those are their roles. You can switch them up however you want to, but those are the three guys you're going to use from the seventh inning on. You don't have to mix and match. These guys can get out righties and lefties. You don't have to play the matchups necessarily, although you can do that with Mentor and Iglesias in, in the seventh and eighth innings. But I think roles are more defined now, and I think that makes it a little bit easier on the bullpen 
when you know that and a little bit easier on the manager and snicker when you know that that once you get to that seventh inning it's iglesias it's mentor it's jansen those three guys should be closing out close games for the rest of the season and into the postseason so hopefully that helps explain things a little bit more as far as this bullpen and Look, I think the overall numbers are a bit deceiving. I, I don't I don't necessarily consider them an elite bullpen like the numbers may show out, but I do think this bullpen is very good and odd show that when they come into the game, more often than not, they are getting the job done a high percentage of the times. Again, the only thing that really concerns me are those inherited runners. 42% of the time this year when a, a, bull, a reliever has an, come in with an inherited runner, They've been allowed to score. Would love to see that number go down a good bit. But, again, overall, very good bullpen, getting the job done more often than not. All right, next, want to set you up for this series with the Mets. Obviously, the biggest series of the year. We'll talk about that next. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of life's great greatest joys, and they have a new flavor that you're going to love that includes cookie dough covered in chocolate. Let me introduce you to the new favorite, Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus they're healthy for you. Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them run to built.com to snag a box before for you and the family it'll be a great treat or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself as i have done for my wife Uh, what's great about built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein which your body absorbs more efficiently and prides and provides tons of health benefits eat something that tastes good and that is good for you as well you're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is a perfect protein bar for you, and they taste better than a candy bar. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. There is no underselling the importance of the series this weekend. It's five games against the New York Mets in New York and the Braves enter that series three and a half games back. I don't think it's dramatic to tell you that if the Braves are going to win this division, they have to come away with three wins this weekend, at least three wins this weekend. With the schedule that the Braves have coming up and compared with the schedule that the Mets have coming up, this is a very important series that the Braves are going to win this division. They cannot afford to lose this series and fall four and a half games back in the division so this is by far the biggest series of the year look the Mets completely outplayed the Braves the last time these two teams met I know the Braves were able to win the middle game and they had a chance in the first one but overall the Mets just outplayed the Braves so I'm looking for the Braves to to bounce back here have a really good series against the Mets play good clean baseball they play the type of baseball they're capable of playing. They give good at bats each time they go up there. Then they're more than capable of beating this Mets team and taking them down. Yes, you're going to have to face Scherzer and Negrom in this series. It's whatever. You're going to have to face these guys eventually. You're going to have to face good pitching. Like the Braves went up against Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns in the first round of the postseason last year and came out on top. That was two of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Freddie Peralta as well in there. And they were able to come come out on top. So 
the Braves know how to go up against good pitching and get it done. We need to see that more consistently in this series, having those consistent at-bats, not having at-bats like you had in the fourth inning on Wednesday where you just let the pitcher breeze through an inning and hardly make him work at all. You can't have innings like that and come away with a series win against the Mets. Um, <laughs> looking at the pitching matchups, Kyle Wright uh, versus Carlos Carrasco on Friday or on Thursday, rather. Carrasco, eight shutout innings against the Braves on May 3rd, so he's due to allow a run to the Braves. He is fantastic in July, a 0.90 ERA after a terrible month of June. So hopefully he's going good, bad, good, bad, and he's ready for a bad month of August. But the Braves need to get after him. Obviously, kick this series off on a good note with a win Thursday. Ian Anderson versus Taiwan Walker on Friday. This one has me a little bit nervous. Walker's been very good. Anderson's been very hit or miss. Uh, was great his last time out. So hopefully he can back that up. On Saturday, you're going to have Max Freed going in one of these games and newly acquired Jaco Rizzi in the other one. We know Scherzer's going in one of those games for the Mets. I'm not sure who else they have pitching on Saturday. Obviously, any doubleheader, you know, you're looking for at least a split, but, you know, would love to sweep the doubleheader, obviously, in New York, especially not real confident in Friday's game. Sunday's game, you're going to have Spencer Strider going up against Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom, his last time out, his first time going or pitching in this season, five innings against the Washington Nationals, through just 59 pitches. So you wonder how long they'll let him go in this one. I'd imagine 75, 80 pitches. So, you know, hopefully the Braves can get him out of there after five innings as well and go to work on the bullpen as the Nationals did in the last game that he started. Like, it's not going to be easy, and nobody said it would be, but you want to win the NL East, you want to be holding up that division crown again, and you want to avoid that wild card round in the postseason and avoid the San Diego Padres in that round, you got to win this series. I mean, it's just bottom line. You have to win this series. I just don't think they can afford to lose this series and fall further back with the schedule they have coming up. So, again, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, just – just stating the obvious, they want to win the NL East. It starts this weekend. You have to at least win this series and find a way to win three of these five games. So all starts on Thursday night. It'll be a lot of fun. Obviously, I'll be covering it here. We'll be doing a postcast for every day, even over the weekend. Me and Grant McCauley doing a postcast for this series. So make sure that you're subscribed to Lockdown Braves podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the Lockdown Braves YouTube channel as well, where we'll be having all the coverage of this Mets series. Obviously, I'll be back tomorrow uh, covering it and diving deep into Thursday night's game. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 